Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to creative people about how they do their thing, why they do their thing, how they keep their thing going against the odds, and today my guest is actor Jack McGee. You've seen him in everything from Moneyball to The Fighter to some of my favorite fun movies like Basic Instinct and Showgirls, Coyote Ugly. He was on Rescue Me. He played a fire chief with a gay son on that show. Uh, He was um, on the McCarthy's a couple years back playing uh, the husband to Laurie Metcalf. He's done all kinds of things. I know him from the dog park. Um, I see him almost every morning when we take our dogs to the park. And I've been wanting to interview him for a while, but something happened in his life, and he's going out of town for a while. Uh, And so I wanted to make it happen before he left. And we'll explain what that is when we get into the podcast, because it was a very exciting uh, development in his life. All right. Before we do that, I just want to get a plug-in for the Mismatch Game. It's the comedy game show benefit that I host at the Gay and Lesbian Center here in L.A. It is February 2nd and 3rd. Uh, That's a Friday and a Saturday night. Uh, It's going to be a ton of fun, and you can learn about that at LALGBTCenter.org. I also want to mention my new business, LifeCast. Uh, People hire me to interview them about their lives, And I've started getting clients and putting them together. And it's so creative, you guys. I I put in music. I get some of their favorite songs. It's this really... I didn't realize how creative the uh, post-production editing part of it would be. And so I'm super into it. Um, If you have an occasion you want to celebrate, if you want to capture how you feel about something at a time in your life, if you want to give it as a gift for somebody, um, I think it's a great thing to do. It's fun you get a lot of um, story and feeling for your buck, and it doesn't feel heavy. Uh, we keep it light. We do the observation deck. It's super neat. So you can learn all about it at getalifecast.com. And I also am going to be in New York. I've already got four interviews lined up for LifeCast, and um, it's going to be in mid-February. So if you're in, in that side of the country and happen to be in New York City or anywhere near there and want a LifeCast, hit me up at uh, getalifecast.com. All right. That's all the plugs we need. That's enough, right? And here, without any further ado, is the delightful uh, and so... uh, I I love this interview so much. Anyway, here's Jack McGee. Hey there, I'm coming to you from beautiful Valley Village, California. I'm in the backyard of my guest today, actor Jack McGee. Welcome to Dennis Anyone. Thank you very much, Dennis Anyone. Dennis Anyone. Right, and I'm in your phone as Dennis Hensley Dog Park. Yeah, because we know each other from the dog park. Dog park buddies were there in the morning, were some of the regulars. Exactly. We we're, we're, we come there early to, uh, to enjoy the show that is the dog park. That is the dog park, but it's kind of a mellow vibe, and it's a really nice group that go there. You have four really fun dogs with big personalities and fun personalities. I do. But you, this is my first time at your place. You have a beautiful place. Thank you so much. Why? Do you you. like the dog park? Because... It's a routine. You know, I like to get them there to socialize with other dogs. Uh, My wife likes to get rid of me in the morning because she, that's her time when she gets to meditate and she gets to put some incense on and uh, she'll put it, she would quickly tell you, she, that's the time period when she gets to enjoy my absence. (laughs) I love it. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, you go there and I'm glad I got to meet you. Um, I've known since we began talking and, and meeting there, that you're an actor, and I've seen you in things like the McCarthy's and Rescue Me, um, and you've you've been in a lot of terrific movies and shows, and some of my favorite sort of uh, more not obscure, but they're more like 
I feel like I'm the I'm the biggest lover of Coyote Ugly. For, oh my an, for instance, there's a few yeah. of those. You were yeah, cool as yeah. ice. That's what my whole career is made of. Just one scene, in and out, and that's it. Yeah. But then you're in things like The Fighter, playing the father, and we'll get we'll get into all of that. But yeah. the other day, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this and that at the thing and the politics or the weather or whatever, and and you just sort of said, "Hey, I I have something I want to say. I need to say something." And I, there's so much bad news in the world. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah. what's happening?" Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that to you. No, but but it yeah. was like whenever anybody says that, you're like, you you sit up and you listen, and you announced that you just got cast in a Broadway show. You're okay. going to be in the Iceman Cometh with Denzel Washington. Absolutely, and still, as I hear it coming from your voice and from your head, it's still an amazing, amazing shock to me. Uh, not a shock, but. Uh, uh, it was. It's just like. It's. It, it kind of came out of the blue. I, right. You're not on the East Coast. You're out I'm here. Not on the East Coast. I've never done a Broadway show before. I've never auditioned for a Broadway show before. But my wife and I were on a on a journey back in Woodstock, New York, because we were thinking about. We romanced the fact of maybe going up to the country and having a place, an old farmhouse, and and all of that kind of stuff. So we went back to see some friends that we stayed with them, and we looked at five or six places back there. And the day before I left, the agent called and said they're asking for you and see if you would be would come in on the, the Iceman Cometh on, and, uh, with Denzel Washington. And I said, have you submitted me? He says, no, they just asked for you. So, so they reached out and asked for you. And, and I don't know who that, that is yet, so I'll try to fi- figure it out. Yeah, uh, they're getting uh, a Starbucks happened. gift card or so a muffin get, basket. Yeah, or whatever, or, or maybe, who knows. <laughs> uh, uh, with a little bit of luck, I won't get fired, so I won't embarrass them. But it came completely out. And I guess that's the reason, you know, is uh, uh, I, I like to think every day is a different day. And maybe that was the reason why we were supposed to go back and, uh, and look at housing in Woodstock, because when they said you, you can put yourself on tape and they're seeing people in New York on Thursday, as I'm going to be in New York next Thursday. So it just happened that I was there, and I was able to take the time from our, our visit in Woodstock and cut it a day short and go down into the city. And I and I went and read for this fellow by the name of George Wolf, who was the director of uh, Angels in America, yes. a Tony Award winning. And I I had no idea because I'm not I don't follow certainly don't follow theater as much as as I, I don't follow even the business that much. I, right. That's what I do for a living. It's not really it's not always who I am. Right. And. Uh, and, and a lot of people, my wife included, get sick and tired of hearing me talking about my favorite subject, me. So this, <laughs> this came out of the blue. It was, I was stunned and, uh, and, 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 and elated and thrilled and uh, petrified at the same time. Right. And uh, so now it's about 12 to 14 days old, and uh, I'm, I'm preparing. My wife, Stephanie, and I are preparing to go in, to our sublet that we took down on 52nd Street, and rehearsals start on uh, the 29th of, of January. And uh, so we leave on the 26th, so it's an adventure that I'm really looking forward to. But I had to share it with somebody. I was so... T- I wasn't telling a lot of people because I, I just didn't... I, man, I don't want to make idea. This business, everybody you, talks about. Yes, that. you never know. And I don't. I don't, you know, I don't tell you. I'm yeah. more interested in in, uh, in in talking to you uh, uh, about your about your dog and about right. what's going on with you and your podcast and, right. and your uh, your involvement with the uh, the LGBTQ. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, and and I know that you had an event there, and I wanted to make it. I couldn't make. That's the stuff that's just juice for me. What do we do for a living? What we do is fine. And then when I I knew you were experiencing this new adventure with starting this podcast, and I was really really happy to hear you do that because sometimes, as writers, I guess, and actors, and then artists, 
we get a little bit, uh, so, uh, should I be doing it? Uh, I'm knocking myself up against the wall. And when something else comes out, of you, uh, comes along that maybe not exactly uh, in your comfort zone, but is a new challenge. And when I saw you took, uh, take that on, that really helped me. So when this opportunity came along to, to go and do this show, I just said, I can do this. I got to work. I'm very touched to hear you say that. Well, that's, that's awesome that that, that resonated. Um, what was the audition like with George Wolf? Was it lines from the show, or did yeah, you do something else? Yeah, it was, it was dialogue from the show. It was a couple of scenes, and and uh, they knew which character they were thinking of. They actually thought of me of a character by name Ed Mosier, and I went in red for him. And uh, I was with my brother and sister that night uh, having dinner in New York because they come in instead of coming to Woodstock for lunch, they come into New York to to join me. And I was going to have the agent the next day call them and say, hey, "Listen, see, see what the feedback was," because I had never auditioned for anybody before. And I was, I was nervous, I was this and that, I, it, but I knew it went okay. And without uh, uh, contacting them to get feedback, they called, uh, my agent called me that night at the restaurant when I'm with my brother and sister, and, uh, and they said, you know, they, they said you did very well, and they, uh, they wanted to make sure that you're still interested in that, and to, to make sure we let them know about any conflicts. This was in the end of September. And so nothing happened. I asked them, said, no, no, they, no word, no word, you've got to be patient. And then about uh, two and a half weeks ago, they, uh, they asked me if I would put myself on tape for not that character, but another character by the name of Pat McGloin, an Irish cop, <laughs> and, uh, which is a stretch for me, of course. If, if you look so, through your ID, IMDb, exactly. it's that's so all many mix. And... That's, that's all I play. So I, I, went, I went to a guy over here in, 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 uh, in Burbank and I, who's very, very good. He put myself on tape. And uh, I sent it to them that night, and the next day they, they made the offer so to, to play this guy, Pat McLean. The other, the other character that I read, they must have gotten somebody else, thank God, because it's a little bit bigger part. I like it right where I am. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, so this, this journey has, has begun. Broadway, man. That's amazing. It's crazy. Um, Denzel Washington's playing the lead. Have right. you ever met him or worked no, with him? I've never worked with him before. I, I've done a little background on him. I knew he was from Mount Vernon, New York. I'm originally born and raised in the Bronx, New York. I believe he went to Fordham University. I, we played high school football. I went to Cardinal Hayes High School in the South Bronx. And uh, I know we played against Fordham Prep. So, And I know guys that went to school with him, but I haven't met him yet. And I don't know anybody else that's in the cast because that's the, that when they decide, when they release it, they'll release it. So uh, this is all, you know, talk about staying in the day. Uh, this is all stuff that's just going to unfold the way it's supposed to unfold. Yeah, and trusting. And it's like first day of school again. Yeah, like, and, and, I I, think... and I'm the new kid on the block. Yeah. I'm the new kid at school. Because i got to figure that most of those guys that are back there that are getting these roles, guys yeah. and girls, they're all... They, you know, yeah. from that community. I mean, maybe I don't know what to expect. It's going to be so exciting, and that's part of the uh, that's part of the juice because I've been I've been doing my work with a, with a friend of mine who's helped me tremendously. Yeah, you were telling me some of the ways you're preparing. Just yeah, and he doesn't want me talking about it too much because it's because because it's it's yours. Right, it's a workbook, and. Uh, uh, oh my goodness! We well, occasionally the, get the good news. The, the paparazzi are already swarming. Yeah, they're around. Well, the good news is that I've been clean and sober for almost twenty, over twenty-two years. Yeah. And at least I know now when I hear helicopters, they're not coming after me. <laughs> uh, so that's the good news. But uh, so this, you know, that this is the subject matter is there about uh, about this uh, this bar back in 1921, and and he had me writing out the entire script by hand. Longhand, your yeah. your coach, the person you're yes. working with. Yes. And uh, and I'm not through it all yet, but we're still working on stuff. But what's happened is that uh, in writing it, 
I found that I'm start, I start to get a real good feel for the, for the characters that I was writing about so far. And I don't know what their faces are going to be like, but the background is going to be there. And, you know, and if, if, you're, if I'm, this, the play is a long piece, it's about three and a half hours long with two intermissions. So if I'm, my character is going to be on stage for most of that time, I better be prepared as much as I possibly can to do the listening and to, to, do, to do that acting. Yeah. You know, and, and put myself in and have choices made about how I feel about these guys, what they look like, what, what they sound like, you know. And so it's, it's given me a, the, the, a real, real good solid found, the footings anyway. And the foundation will come as the work goes, as we rehearse. And then uh, uh, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. I love that you're writing it out longhand. Like, how many pages? Are, like, take well, pages there's 118 pages, pages in, wow. in the script. I'm at about, I think I'm at page 82 now. Right. Uh, but I'm writing in this book, so, you know, you, you, the script is different. So I've written probably about 140 pages already in this in this blank art, artist book, a sketchbook. No lines, yeah. just writing it out. And uh, it's tedious. It, it's necessary. And for a guy who, through most of my life, especially certainly when it came to tasks, I have never really completed anything like that. And this I will complete. That's incredible. I guess it's a way to absorb the play in a really subconscious, deep way because you're that focused on it in an interesting yeah. way. If, what, if, if you're writing yeah. what somebody else is saying, you can't help to have it. You know, and a lot of because a lot of it's about alcoholism and it's about uh, different characters, and they are characters. There's a lot of repetition about what their dreams are. The theme throughout the entire thing, and I just got a T-shirt made up for this fellow that's helping me and for myself that just says "pipe dream" on it. Because that's the whole, every single one of the 14, 15 characters in this, they all have a pipe dream. And that word comes up every page somewhere along the line. And so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. And then it unfolds as, as I get to know these characters a little bit. Yeah. More. And feel for them. And enjoy them. Make my choices. Who do I, who do I, who do I trust? Yeah. Well, he's a cop. So he's a cop. He's always investigating stuff. He's always right. he's sizing everybody up. Doesn't want to be sized up. Thinks right. he's got everybody fooled, has his own pipe dream, but he's just—he's on—he's on the—he's weird—he's leery of everybody, you it, know. It's so interesting because the play is about these dreamers that are never probably going to do what they say they're right. going to do, and yet here it is a, a dream coming true for you. It's like. Uh, the opposite of what it's about, it's, in a way. You know, and it was a dream, but I never really worked at it as hard yeah. as a lot of a lot of the guys that really pursue the theater. And uh, and, and you know, but I've just gotten addicted to uh, to the soundtrack, and I'm going to see the, the guy that plays King George in in Hamilton. Yeah. And then this, I think there's a reason why one of my favorite uh, tunes in the in the musical Hamilton is "I'm Not Going to Throw Away My Shot." Right. This is my shot. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to unfold, but I know that I'm going to be as prepared as possible. I've never worked this hard. And you're doing it. They didn't ask you to do it. You're just doing it as part of your preparation. Well, my, my guy, yeah, my, yeah, my guy has suggested yeah. it. His name is, uh, his name is, I hope I can say this, his name is Gabe Dell. His dad, his name was Gabe Dell, who was one of the original Dead End Kids. Oh, right on. And the, the theatrical resume of his dad is phenomenal. I suggest anybody, if they want, go to Gabriel Dell, Del Vecchio, but Gabe Dell from the original Dead End Kids and look up this guy's resume. It's unbelievable the people that he worked with. So I'm getting to, I'm getting to be with this this good pal of mine, and we laugh and we joke, and I uh, I will say to him a couple of times each time I'm with him, with the amount of stuff the input that he's given me, our, I'm, our, our my expression is, leave me the fuck alone. 
because, and we laugh about it because <laughs> he keeps on coming with this information just so when he's not there and I write it in my workbook and stuff and, and I'll go back over it because I'll have six weeks of rehearsal to fine-tune this guy and take the, the gifts that he gave me into this production. I love that. Now, I've heard of The Iceman Cometh. I've never seen the play. I've never read it. I guess because of the name, I thought it was more... I don't know, set in the past or well, it is. almost Shakespearean, but like like the you know the Renaissance. I don't know what I thought, but it's about literally an ice a guy that brings ice to a bar, an ice man. Well, right? you, you, you one would think, and I encourage your your listeners and, and possibly you even to, to read it because that's Cause there what, might be a twist. That's what I thought. Yeah, and, and you know, and there is there is, and uh, it's um, the ice man cometh is uh, is his the character is uh, is Hickey who is uh, going to be uh, played by, by Denzel Washington. And they're all waiting around for him to come because these guys, this is the lowest of low in the, in the bar rooms. These guys are the, in the worst shape. The, the dragged down, they've been beat. They all come from different walks of life. Lawyers, uh, ex-military men, um, uh, dreamers, uh, guys that dreamers. The, the girls that are the are the, uh, the, uh, the prostitutes, the, the hookers, or the tarts, as they like to fancy themselves, uh, they all have dreams of getting out of there. Right. And as I said, the uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the guy Harry Hope, and I believe that uh, Eugene O'Neill uh, named him that because this is a place that they're all hopeless. Yeah. And Gary and and, and Harry Hope uh, lost his wife 20 years before this thing is written. Uh, 20 years ago, the character. And for the last 20 years, we find out he has never left the building. That they're in? The bar that he owns. Wow. And the rooming house. And most of them have never left. There's a guy, there's a character named Jimmy. Jimmy Tomorrow. Yeah. That's his nickname because he's always going to get out of there tomorrow. Yeah. Every single one of them has a game player, a pipe dream to get out. And Denzel's character shows up and sort of calls them, brings a lot of these issues up. Maybe, to the poor. yeah, come see it. Or, okay, or see I can't it. wait. Because he, the Denzel comes in and he, let's say this way, there's an expression they used to use when I was a fireman in New York <laughs> City, a pin puller. Okay. I used to go into the kitchen when they have got these guys all riled up, and I, I, I'd start them off on a topic that they were yeah. all passionate about. So I'd roll the pin and throw it into the room, and then I'd stand by the door and wait until they were looking to punch the shit out of each other, you know. But that's what he does. Right. He comes in, and he's got the answers. Yeah. And although he's right, uh, you can't tell anybody anything by shaking a finger at them yeah. and telling them what they have to do. You have to show them by example. And one by one, they all turn on him. And then we then we find out, just like everybody else, he's got a secret. Yeah, he's got a secret that he's hiding, and uh, it's the it's the adventure to try to find out exactly what this thing is all about. It's not a musical comedy. It's not a musical comedy, Eugene but I love, is not right. I love it. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I love the American classics, but I haven't. This is one that I haven't seen or read, and I'm yeah. I'm going to try to make it back there. Well, you've been sober for years and years. Uh, be twenty to be twenty three years in July. That's yeah. fantastic. How does so coming, I know the I know the yeah, subject so, matter, but, 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 but being in that world, or or does it give you insight, or is it? Well, ever, I lived it. Yeah, I lived it. And uh, how does uh, it affect? At Molly Malone's yeah. on Fairfax and Six, which was the last one of my haunts. That was your uh, jam. That was the place at the end. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, um, I, I'm I'm very uh, in tune with uh, what the uh, what the theme is and what the pipe dreams are. Um, 
and uh, so I, you know, I, I, I identify with it a lot. Yeah. And and it, it, it and it's very very uh, emotional for me, you know, uh, to to look and to see and uh, and I've also learned now that that I've been I've uh, got the gift of uh, surrender, that uh, that uh, I, I get the opportunity to do something like this. Right. It's it's pretty it's pretty profound for me. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's exciting, but I, I I think that this is probably the reason why maybe this is the first opportunity to do something like this, and this is the topic. I think that's so interesting. Do you does your character have to be a little inebriated or a little a little drunk or something? Is that part of what you put into your performance? Is that something yeah, they're, you think about? they're all we see. They're all yeah. drunk. Some are yeah. worse than others. Some some of them their heads never come off the table. Right. Some of them puke. Some of them vomit. Some of them fall down. Some of them whatever. I haven't found exactly where my guy's out yet. Yeah. But there's a reason he's there. Yeah. There's a reason he's been living in this room and house for 20 years. And that colors the performance. You know, and he may get out the door once in a while. Right. You know, his, his dream is that he's looking to get his job back. He wants to get reinstated to the force. Yeah. What is it about? You know, I'm trying to figure out what it is about. What do he do? Yeah. What did he do? Was he guilty? Is that his secret? Tell yeah. everybody he was framed. Exploring the character, find out what it is. See what his relationship is with, with these, one of his sidekicks. He's yeah. all little groups. The girls hang out together with the bartender. The other guys, the, the two military guys are always at each other, but they have that in common. Myself and this other guy who's a, a circus grifter who's, uh, who's uh, lost his job years ago. We're two, he's a con artist. I got a fancy. My guy's a bit of a con artist. So they hang out. They all hang out in groups like... The bars when you when you when you when you uh, when you're out there doing the dance and drinking. Everybody's got the ones they can get away with somebody with. They can bullshit with. Yeah. They can steal a little bit. They can boom. They can connive. They can get a free drink from. So it's it's all it's it's like it's like reliving it. Yeah. But I'm reliving it sober, and I'm going to remember exactly what you said and I said here today. Yeah. Whereas back then they don't even remember what they said the yeah. day before. Is there something about? Getting sober and that idea of sort of surrendering and trusting that helped you in your acting. Did it? Did it affect oh your acting? How did it affect yeah. your acting when you got sober? Well, I didn't. You know, you don't think it is because you think, well, it can't be the same. It can't be as funny. It can't yeah. be as autistic and all yeah. that stuff. The truth of the matter is, it, it takes a while to trust the the process. To, that, of course, you can, because you remember when you're supposed to be at work. You remember what time your audition is. Right. You don't. You're not loaded the night before. You may, you may not drink or use on, on, a, on a Tuesday if you get the audition on Monday. But if you go out Monday night, you're still, you're still suffering. You're not yourself. You're right. not clear. You're not present. You're not alive. You're not focused. You know, so that, that, that all takes its toll. I'm not terribly comfortable with a lot of the things that, that I, 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 I have done before I, I got sober. I mean, it wasn't always, it wasn't always like that. It was... Yeah. You, know, you had your, your, uh, your, your good and bad spells. Right. But uh, How hard was it to get sober? A lot harder, a lot easier than it was to stay drunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, you got to be busy. When you, yeah. you got to be busy. Where's my next drink? Yeah. Where's my next eight ball? Where's my next... Who am I going to swipe from first? How many ATMs machines do I got to go to before I can get that? Can I tell the credit union that I need... The, uh, can I get an advance from the agent? <laughs> That's exhausting. a full-time job. It's exhausting. Yeah. You know, and this, and now, and then it isn't. You know, right. uh, so it's. Uh, uh, that doesn't mean that the uh, the uh, the dialogue doesn't run on your head all the time. Right. But you learn tools to just set. You know, okay, slow it all down. And if you need help, if something's driving you a little crazy, call a guy that's maybe been to it before, and just the act of making that call and saying, "Hey, hey, Dennis, can you can I run something by you?" And as I'm saying it to whoever it is, 
I'm already processing my head saying, what am I talking about? Right. You know, let's try this. Let's go. Let's take contrary action. Yeah. You know, rather than saying, no, I won't do that job, say, hey, all right, let me, let me, let me think about it. Or this is what would make me comfortable taking care of yourself and that's that's something that you know when uh, when certainly when I was out doing the dance I wasn't real good at. I was good at taking care of you yeah. making sure you guys were okay when it came to me I didn't know how to ask you for it right you know so it's 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 just changing be changing behavior and you're you know it, it takes uh, it takes it takes surrendering to the fact that you ain't never gonna beat this yeah this is there's a reason why it's there it's good that's the power greater than myself is alcohol and cocaine yeah. It's like walking through a door and you walk through a door and somebody hits you in the head with a with a pipe and you opens up your head and you drop to the ground, boom, and you get up and you crawl back out the door and then you recover from the, the head injury and then you're a little stunned or whatever and you get up and, and you say, oh, try that door again. And you get knocked out and you're in, you get and then all of a sudden you get knocked out and somebody comes along and says, Hey, would you try that door? Yeah. You try that other door and it's just try something different than you've been doing. Yeah. You know, and it's not simple. A lot of guys struggle. For me, it was right. done. The last day it was done. It was, it was done. I've never had the obsession to to use the drink after that particular day. Uh, and I don't know. I think they, whoever it is, the guy upstairs just said, "You're done." That's it. I got something else planned for you. Yeah. And my life exploded. You know, I uh, I uh, I met my wife in in a. I met my wife uh, uh, after I was sober about a year, uh, about 13 months, and uh, and I met uh, Stephanie on the 4th of, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on the 3rd of August, and I asked her to marry me on the 19th. Wow. And we've been married, uh, we just celebrated 20 years, and I'm crazier about her now than when I saw her this morning. You'll see when she comes in. And she, she's the kind of gal that says, says to me, uh, 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 about, about she, says, she says, what can I do today, babe, to make you make your day better? She says, you could stay the fuck out of it. <laughs> you know? And I get that. You know? I get that. You know, I'll say to her, uh, so, so I'll come in. I'll be all wired up. We have to rehearsal something. She says, what's going on? What, what are you doing? She'll say, I was enjoying your absence. <laughs> you know? That's good, though. She brings me right back down. Early, she does. Did you know? she say yes right away when you proposed? Well, she uh, she, she says, well, you know what? We're, we're just getting started. It's only 16 yeah. days later. Yes. We're 16 days. She's just getting started. Let's 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 wait because we're supposed to quiet down. She says, okay. So the next day I go to see her for lunch up on Ventura Boulevard. At a friend's, she's working at a friend's dress shop. And I went, and one of the girls is there. She says, hey, Steph's working today, right? Yeah, she went down to the, at that time it was called the Cranberry House. It was an antique place. that had antique furniture and stuff. And so I walk down there, and then and I walk in the door, and all of a sudden I, I see her. And I see she's with a girlfriend of hers. And she's trying on rings. <laughs> and I said, she doesn't see you doing it. No! Oh. And she got so busted. Yeah, and she I, got and I, so... And I, and I said to her, excuse me? Yeah, she's taking it slow. She and hasn't she, really thought about it. Bingo. Right. And she said, and that, but that's part of our story. And then I said to her, excuse me? As you said, I said, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just, you know, I just trying to... <laughs> so at that time, I had another... She I was busted. A, I had a couple of cars, and I had a little BMW that I, I right that day. I went to a friend of mine the next day. I sold it to a guy who needed a car, and he gave me that, and I bought it a ring. I love it. You know, and that's and then, and then that's uh, that's that's what happened with uh, that's how I got lucky because without her I got nothing. That's I incredible. mean, without sobriety is the first thing. Yeah. But without her, she's you know she's she's the one that just easy Waldo. You may have walked the red carpet <laughs> for Ed, for the the fighter. You may have done this. You got all this attention. You may have been on a hit show. You may have this and that. 
I go pick up the dog shit in the backyard. Yeah. That's what she tells me. Yeah. And she... that's what I need to know. That's my, I know that's my place. Yeah. Because this, all the other stuff, the whole hoopla, I get a joy out of, out of your, uh, your journey to, to embark upon this new creative thing that you, that you seem to be passionate about. Yes. I got enough of that. I get enough of that stuff. But when I, I'll tell people, when they say, hey, well, what have you done? I'll tell them about my friend uh, Dennis Hensley, who's got a new podcast, and I did that. Uh, it's like going back to the Bronx w- with the firemen. I was a fireman in New York for 10 years. Yeah, I heard that. I read that. You go back to the firehouse or, or you go back to a bar where they all meet. Oh, I'll meet you all there. Yeah, down at Casey's in the Bronx. And I walk in the door and then when they say, hey, look who it is. Robert De Niro, you fat fuck. What'd you do? Gain 30 pounds for your last roll? And you know, Dennis, you know you're home. Exactly. You, know you're home. you wouldn't want them to treat you any you other couldn't. way. You couldn't. Yeah. But when you leave, yeah. nonstop they're telling everybody up, right. hey, my friend, he's, he's yeah. an actress. That's just the way but it is. Co- it's all, we're just guys. Yeah. We're just guys doing whatever. There's enough about me. Yeah, that that goes on that I have to do in my business. Yeah. And it's all in the garage. I don't she don't let me put none of that stuff. You just saw the garage, you took some pictures. Yeah. None of that stuff's ever getting in the house. The garage is all kinds of great uh well, memorabilia, memorabilia yeah, from yeah, projects yeah. that you worked yeah, like on. Nothing, and... But nothing gets in the house. No, that's she'll <laughs> say she just made well though. Yeah. Oh, no. that look sometimes I'll bring in yeah. something like a golf like a golf plaque or something that yeah. I get and I'll just like where another painting was or yeah. something, I'll put it up on the wall yeah. just to see if she's she's, she's paying awake. attention. Yeah, she pays attention. Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't know what's what's with this. She knows. Yeah, and it goes to the garage. Oh yeah, everything yeah. goes to the garage. I'm lucky. I'm allowed now. <laughs> um, you started acting relatively late, from what I read, like in your 30s. Is that right? I, yeah. Well, I had, I, I went to school out in uh, out in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I went for it, and I did three plays and involved in a bunch of other stuff. The only thing I didn't do was go to class. So I, that was in 1967. And uh, then I come back and did some community theater. And then the fire department came along, gave me the job where I had the, uh, the paycheck, right. the benefits, the flexible hours. So I moved from the Bronx, uh, uh, from upstate in, near, uh, in Putnam Lake, New York, near Brewster, New York, and moved back into the Bronx near a firehouse that I was working at. And I started to go down and pursue the, the, the career there. And I got involved in a scene study group. And, and I got an agent that was interested in me. We did a couple of couple of uh, showcases. And, and then I started doing commercial work. And, and then I started to get a little bit of attention uh, uh, film-wise. And, and then in 1987, I, I just I packed it in. I, I, took a, I took a leave of absence uh, from the fire department for a year. I knew I wasn't going back. And I came out here to, to, to pursue this. And I've been fooling them ever since. Wow, that's awesome. Um, did you feel like, even when you were younger, though, that that was a germ of something there that you thought? Did you, did, had you ever even thought yes, about it? No, well, well I have, there's a story. I don't know if I told you this in the park, but uh, yeah. when I was eight years old, I was uh, involved, involved, one of the kids at the police athletic league, where cops right. donate their time to, in a gym to keep kids busy after school. Right. And uh, they put a broomstick through a doorbell. And they said, anybody that can walk under here wants to make 300 bucks a week. So we all ran, of course. And then they did the, the, the how now brown cow to see if you could pronunciate for some show. And then they asked what song, if you could sing a song. And I, I started to learn how to sing since I'm six years old, seven years old, with the black guys in the hallways and the projects in the South Bronx. Right. So the only song I was really familiar with at the time was Why Do Fools Fall in Love by, by uh, Fra- Frankie Lyman. Yeah, classic. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, yeah. Ah. So I sang that. Two weeks later, I got the call. They said, you, you were the finalist for all of the police athletically. We'd like you to come down to my mom had this information. 
I'd like you to come down to the Majestic Theater. So I didn't even know what that was. It was just some place. She just took me down there. And it was for the, uh, the Broadway show The Music Man with Robert Preston. Of course. So I went down, and for two days, I, uh, I, I knocked around the stage uh, with, a, with a, one kid named Eddie Hodges, who wound up getting the part of Winthrop in The Music Man and went on to sing the, uh, the big hit that they had with Frank, he had with Frank Sinatra, High Hopes. Okay. Oops, they, and there was another redhead kid that was about three years, four years, three years, really young, redhead kid by the name of Ron Howard. Oh, wow. So the story I tell is that Eddie Hodges got the role in the, in the Broadway show. Uh, Ron Howard eventually got the role, that role Winthrop in the movie. Right. And I went back to the projects. <laughs> so that was, that was the only, that's the, that's the last time until I go into New York now, that I've, and the only time I have ever been on a Broadway stage. And it was massive then. It was one work like... How old would you have been? Eight years old. Wow. Maybe eight, maybe maybe not, but eight. Yeah. And now to go back there and, and to, you know, and to and to experience that is... Uh, it's crazy because, you know, I remember when I first met Ron Howard, I worked for him four or five times. Right, I know. When I first met him, Yeah, he, say, he, uh, he says, Jack, it's very nice to meet you. That's what we met before. That's what he mean. And I reminded him and it blew him away that that was... Now this is, we're looking about... That was... 60 years ago. Wow. 60 wow. years ago, and here I am going back. There to, you are going back. Back to the scene of the crime. What made you go to those classes when you were, like, like in your 30s or whatever? What what drew you into, like, I need to explore this? A girl. A girl. There was the answer, right? There it is. What, 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 sometimes, what do we do? We go, um... How'd that happen? It, well, it happened because uh, she was with the same agency it was, I was with, and I, right. had a, I had an eye for her, and I said, what class are you taking? And I had time in between. I was right. live, still living upstate, but I'd stay down at the firehouse and I'd go to some of this class. She says, I'm with the scene study group. I said, okay. So I did that, and, you know, and, and then it was, uh, that was the incentive. And it worked out okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was, that was the, uh, the initial uh, thing to, to go down. And, and I had an idea that if, if, if everybody was doing this showcase stuff, that how am I going to do it? I get to get, get somebody to come and see you. Yeah. So th- that's, how, that's how it happened. So... Uh, and I wound up doing a scene with that gal from Dylan about Dylan Thomas. And uh, th- that was the one that uh, uh, when, when I, I, I was able to have, uh, get somebody to represent me to see that yeah. was when they, they took a shot with me. And most of that was commercials for five or six or seven years. What was the commercial that paid you the most? Because some of those commercials run and run and run. All the guys in the firehouse used to break my balls about the, this commercial, my first commercial. I have a copy of it. Kellogg's Frosted Mini Wheats. It I had some this morning. It was one. It was one of the heads of a two-headed. The first, first one. <laughs> one of the heads of a two-headed giant. Yeah. Crunchy wheat, nicely sweet. I was crunchy wheat. Of it course was, you were. The pictures on the back of a box. That's going to be the title of this there. podcast. I have, I have it on, on, on the back. Crunchy wheat, nicely sweet. And all the guys in the firehouse, you know, and they're, oh, yeah, look at McGee. Yeah, we saw you. Well, the one-headed dragon, the one-headed monster. Until I told them that back then, in 1978, it, the, the, in two years, it made over $80,000. Just that then they all wanted to say how they could get an agent. Yeah. And they wanted <laughs> then to be they my were more friends, interested. You know? Yeah. So that was, the, that was probably the one that was more, because it yes. played every Saturday morning 9,000 times. And you were crunchy sweet. No, you. I was crunchy. I was crunchy wheat. Crunchy wheat. Yeah. Right on. Crunchy it's wheat. to get it right. Sweet. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, who cares? As long as the residual comes in. Yeah. Now you played a fire chief in Rescue Me. Yes. How was that to play something that you had lived in some ways in that world? And then also, this is post nine eleven. 
and it must have had so much meaning for you to be in that show. Well, it did. It, it did, and it was a it was an incredible opportunity, and the, the subject matter was uh, was something I was familiar with, um, and the, uh, the the feel that Dennis Leary and Peter Tolan were able to create with the dialogue in the kitchen was something I was very familiar with. I told you about the being the pin puller, and when you're a fireman, if there's 15 guys working in a firehouse. Everything happens in the kitchen. Yeah. All the stuff, all the drama, the this and that. Yeah. The talking, the this, a couple of couple of drinks at two in the morning. All those guys, everybody's. That's where that's where the magic happens. So uh, that uh, that was came pretty easily, you know, to me. And and I remember Peter Tolan having a conversation with him, and I told him that uh, uh, how I, uh, uh, you see, we were talking about loss one, lost my dad, and then the lo- also then the, the loss of my uh, of my brother Tom. My brother Tom died of AIDS in 1989. His his uh, his partner Tom as well had uh, died the year before, and that was devastating to me. And I talked to him about how my dad uh, was loved my brother Tom. My dad was gone since '73. He loved my brother Tom, but he came from a time period where he didn't they didn't they didn't have to talk about it. Right. Always worried about what everybody else thought. Right. And uh, there was a great love affair between the two of them. And I knew it, and I sensed it all along. And that carried on with myself and my brother. So when I was talking with, with Peter Tutlin, who was the creator, uh, he started to write for my character, right. giving me a son that was yeah. gay. And, uh, and, the, uh, and the response I got from the gay community since then, not quite as much now, because, but I would go to the, the go to uh, uh, Palm Springs or somebody, in the, and I'd, I'd be walking the streets, and they, these guys would come out and they they tell me how important it was for me to, for them to have seen that and thanking me. So it was like it was like my brother was still with me, oh my you God. know. So it was it was very very powerful. So although I only had three years and change on that on that show, I had the the, the, the storyline with with my son. Who he comes to terms with, and he and he lets him in, and uh, and 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 he lets lets his son know how much he cares about him. He loves him, and then he, then he also had a, had a storyline with a with a wife who has Alzheimer's, you know. So I had some great great stuff. Plus the the nickel and dime bullshit that happens in the fire. Yeah, you know all of that silly stuff that goes on there. But I had a it, it was it was very special to me that uh, that that character. When you went in, did you talk to them about your background? Did they know, or think, does it matter? You audition, or you don't. I, I you know? think they they may have known, and they uh, it, it happened quite by by accident. Yeah. Lenny Clark was supposed to play the chief, uh, and and Lenny I knew for a while, and and I uh, I I somebody gave me a blurb. My neighbor says, "Hey, they're, they're doing this thing called Rescue Me. It's about five minutes." So, yeah. so I put a call into Lenny. As Lenny's Jack McGee, if anything should come up, because I knew he was good friends with Dennis Leary. Yeah. I said, maybe you should come up, keep me in mind, please let, let me know this, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't hear back from Lenny. And then uh, the same guy said to me, you know, I read that script and there's nothing in it for me, but I saw something in it for you. So I said, why didn't Lenny call me back? So I called Lenny back then. I got him on the phone. He said, Lenny, Jack, he said, Jack, you must have dialed somebody else. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm... Did you have that whole conversation saying, with somebody else? I guess. <laughs> I gave somebody a bunch of shit about not getting in touch with me and was resentful at, at Lenny. And then, and then he says, you're not going to believe this, Jack. He says, I, I, I'm supposed to be playing the chief in this thing, and my show just got picked up, so I can't do it. Wow. Call this guy. I called this guy, and he said, Jim Serpico. And he said, Jim Serpico, this is Jack McGee. He says, I had a friend of Lenny Clark's, and Bob, I was on the fight department. He said, to give you a call. He said, Jack, I, I really, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who you are. 
That's not who you are either. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't see me, you guys are making a big mistake. And Jimmy Serpica said it's the reason why when he heard me say that, he was like, I think that's this guy. That sounds like the fire chief. Sounds like the guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's how that thing happens. So Lenny Clark uh, still takes credit for my success on that show. But that's great that you had the confidence to sort of say that on the phone. Well, he, he was a light comment. I wasn't yeah. leaning into him. <laughs> right. But, uh, he, would say he was cordial enough. Right. But, you know, he's the guy calling a guy from out of the blue and... And, uh, and all of a sudden, then, and I had met Peter Tolan. I had done an episode of Murphy Brown years before. Peter Tolan said it clicked in his head. Oh my God, that's Jack McGee. Of course, we should bring him in. So I, uh, I, uh, I, I went in, in Redford, and, and then sure enough, the, that journey began. What did it mean for you to create this world when you knew the real people? You probably knew people that were affected from 9/11. And in other words, did you feel like you were doing something for the people that you worked with in the past? Well, yeah, 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 of course. I think that's 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 one of the tools and one of the things that the thread that the, that uh, if you're lucky enough as an actor to to find, you know, some people go to school and they stay there a lot, but uh, you, when when you when your life experience shows brings a lot of people down your street, right, and a lot of different cats down your street. If you grow up in the projects in the South Bronx, I grew up in a building that a thousand people lived in. And you were and the last were of how many kids? Youngest of eight. Youngest of eight. Wow. It's just in that family alone. Yeah. <laughs> just to get hurt. Half of more in your house. Just to get yeah. hurt. Hey, what about me? And yeah. They're like two different separate families. The only right. Because by the time I remember anything, my brothers were just, oh, the guys that were in the Marines or the guys that were... Right. My, you know. my I'm the youngest of six, but my, yeah. all five of the older ones are like eight years... Yeah, mine's 13, ahead, 14, ahead of me. 12, I was like 13. the last sperm, I think. Right, right. But, yeah. And lucky. Lucky to be. Yes. Happy to be no Lucky complaints. to be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you've been in so many things. If you're going to get recognized by somebody on the street, do they pick out one or two projects? Are there certain it's, things? It's a lot of Rescue Me, The mm-hmm. Fighter. Oddly enough, one episode 15 years ago, Seinfeld. Right. Three lines in Seinfeld. Those people are sick. Yeah, well, they are, those people, people have seen like, those episodes like, in, over, over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and that, it's kind of funny. And with one, one or two lines, it was, it was called What was the, the episode? Hole. It was called a pothole when, when uh, uh, George Gastel, who was Jason Alexander, who I, I know from back there, and we started out together, he drops his, uh, his, uh, his car alarm thing in, the, in, the, in, the, in a hole, and he goes back to get it, and they've paved over it. And yeah. it, it, it says, like, uh, Phil Rizzuto's, holy cow. Yeah. So every time a car would roll over, you'd, holy cow. <laughs> so he wanted to get it dug up. Right. And he wanted to get it dug up, and I'm, one, I'm the foreman of the guys that are cleaning them. We're looking right. at the hole. He says, so can we get this out? And, uh, yeah, you yeah, it can be dug up. Yeah. And he says, well, what's, what's, what's this So, what's this about? Money? Yeah. And I think my only line was, yeah, this is about money. <laughs> yeah. And then, so when I hear it, at Charity Golf Tournament, some of hear these kids yell out, yeah, it's about money. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What do you do? They sit yeah. home and they what? That's, Seinfeld's the most obscure one. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear stuff from, uh, 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 one-liner from Scrooge. Or I've had a, I've had a few films where I've only been in one scene where, but I've had really in Scrooge, uh, uh, Bill uh, Bill Murray's bringing out the Scroogeettes and the, uh, the the sensor for the network is there, and uh, he's trying to convince him that they they they're covered up a little bit. Yeah. He says, Let's ask this guy. I'm walking by one of the workers, and he says, Well, what do you think? And I said, Well, you can hardly see them nipples. <laughs> Done. That one I get all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 kind of it's, it's kind yeah. of odd. You know? I like that. The fighter you play. Uh, Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg's father. Right. And uh, Melissa Leo's right. wife. Um, that movie 
was great and it got all kinds of awards attention and stuff. Did you know when you were making it that it was going to turn out as good as it did? or no, you just I, don't know? I don't think you ever do. Yeah. I, th- I think you, you, uh, you know, the job of the director and, and the editor, they, they get as much. Ron Howard said one time, you, you gather the material up and then you go into the room and you make the movie. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I knew I had a lot of fun with it. I knew it had some, you know, I don't know what shots they use and do whatever. I was yeah. just, I was just busy trying to, trying to uh, uh, contribute whatever I possibly could. But David O. Russell really had a, had a great insight as to what he wanted. Yeah. And he was, a, he was a quirky, but, but wonderful. You love like working with him because you hear all kinds of things about David. Yeah, you'll hear all kinds of things about me. I'm going to make up stories about you. Well, (laughs) see, that's what you're in the business of show. Everybody's looking at, you know, and they, oh, I know, oh, that guy's a real, yeah, okay, nice talking. Like life. Yeah. You know, Uh, but no, I had a great experience in Melissa Leo. You know, you come to work, she comes with with that six gun strapped to her hip. Yeah, she's She's coming and making choices. So when that happens, she's like, oh, yeah? Let's go to And it makes it easier. Christian yeah. Bale was delicious. Yeah. I was with Christian Bale a total of five and a half weeks up in Lowell, Massachusetts. I never even knew he had an English accent yeah. until he started doing press. So I said, so what's with the English accent? He said, I'm English, bro. I'm, I'm English, mate. I said, you're English? What do you mean? It's crazy. Yeah. You know, so, and they're all good. They're all good. You know, every, that was a great, that was a great, and then you get to, you get to do the dance. You get to go to the parties. You yeah. Know, you get to walk the carpet. We won. They won the Critics' Choice Award, uh, the first award out of the box at the, I, the first award party I went to. Pick you up in a car, bring you there. My, my girl and I in there. As soon as we get there, five minutes after I get there, Aston Kusher announces that uh, the, the fighter won the best ensemble. And I'm walking up there, and Christian Bale says, hey, mate, you accepted. I'm like, what? You gave the speech. Yeah. And it's only going on YouTube. It's on 2000. Uh, I uh, have Jack, got to go Jack, watch that. Jack McGee's Critics' Choice Award acceptance speech, 2010 for the fighter. Okay, I'll look it up. You know, and then. Do you remember that moment and what you said? Did you, were you like, I'm just going to pull something out of my ass? What I, you know, I, I think I think I started off with. Uh, this is crazy. Uh, um, I think I said Bernie, Dan, Larry, Tom, Edna, Pat, Bill, and John. That he, he, my, that, mom and Dad, Rocco and Edna had their pin on me. Yeah. And then it rattled to my brothers and their brothers and sisters. And I, I just, I just, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And I remember all of it. But as soon as I, as soon as that happened, my, I'd never had this before. My phone blew up because whoever was watching it, it was because at the end, the expression I never say, uh, this is bitching, man. I never said bitching in my life. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my friends back there, what's with the fucking bitching Where stuff? did that come from? But it, yeah, it was crazy. I'm glad I got it on tape somewhere so I can... That must have been a fun thing to be part of the awards, insanity, and yeah, great. It's just a ride, and you just yeah. enjoy it. And when you're in, when you're in, when you're involved in it, and when it was something that you worked on, yeah, it's it's fun. It, and the truth is, no regrets at all. If it happens, you got to be great. But after a while, if you, if you get in thirty events to go to in in twenty six, twenty eight days, it becomes it's yeah, work. yeah. You know, so you got to get through the deal. You do it. Because you want to, you want to do whatever you can to, Help to the promote movie. the film yes. and and to get recognized and and, and for, for whatever contribution you have. Right. Yeah. It was it was. Fun. But once again, my wife, my wife, right, and she had great time. She had fun with it. Right. And uh, and then, but but she'd say uh, uh, right after that, uh, she said, "Man, I was something this. I walked in that red cop. I just met Mick Jagger. I just, and and she says, "Hey, yeah, good. Go pick up the dog shit in the backyard." Yeah. 
right back down there. She's not that impressed with. Well, the, she uh, was, she is. She enjoys she was, it. But, yeah, she keeps yeah. You, but we have that banter. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I'm not like that all the time because she knows what my. If 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 I wasn't able to have her along for the ride, I wouldn't. Yeah. Know. If I wasn't confident and comfortable with the discussion that we had before making the decision to to accept this opportunity to go to Broadway, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. If she says, I don't know that. Because I had six months out of, out of my life. Yeah. Well, how many months? Six months out of my life, away from my girl, away from my dogs, not seeing you, away from where I'm comfortable. So, yeah, great opportunity, but well, I know what it's like to be back in New York when I worked on Rescue Me and, and be in, uh, be in uh, there's nothing exciting after a while about going back to a one-bedroom flat by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and not having your girl with you. Right. So she's going to come with me initially for the first uh, two weeks and then she'll come and every couple of weeks she'll come out for a week and, yeah. and maybe when the weather breaks she'll stay around a little bit more so I can enjoy it so I can get to enjoy this because yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a big adjustment it's a big commitment um, you've done a lot of guest star roles one-ofs in, in sitcoms like Seinfeld like you said when you go into that you never quite know what you're going to get or if, do you think it's important I've heard this from other actors that once they got to be like a regular like you were on like the McCarthy's, right. you make you make an effort with the with the people that are. Oh, you always do because because you remember what it's like to be the yeah, person you, coming yeah, in. Yeah, you always do. I mean, yeah. you got to have your own stuff too, but you always make them make them feel comfortable. And uh, and then I always do the same thing too when I get on on the set. The good news is that probably there's a lot of the people that work on the set, mostly the crew. That's the guys. Yeah, I'm a blue collar. I come from blue collar. I know who does the work. Right. It's the guys and girls. Who, you and I could do the greatest scene in the world. If it ain't in focus, it's not going to make the film. Yeah. So that guy who's pulling focus. He's important. Yeah. The girl who's doing craft service work, she's important. Right. You know, if you think, you know, if you think that you're more important than those people that do the grunt work, uh, because you're the one that's on camera, you're missing the magic. Yeah. The magic is in the people. Most of the people that I'm friendly with are crew and then people that, uh, not some producers, people, but I have a pretty good barometer of who I want to be around. And I've worked with a lot of great people around. There's hardly anybody I could say, nah, I don't want to work with them again. Because if they're... If they're if they're if they lock themselves out and if they have their behavior a, a certain way, then I just stay I, I stay away from that. I gear towards focusing on being grateful to the people that uh, that that uh, are really doing the work, and that I I'm very appreciative about their effort as well. Right. When you got the McCarthy's, that was how, that ran for one season. One full season. Yeah. You told me some really fun stories from that set about you working with. Uh, one of the new kids on the block. Oh, yeah, Joey McIntyre. Joey McIntyre. Yeah. But fans of the new kids would come to your tapings. They would come. And it was like Beatlemania. It was, it was pretty crazy. I, have, I will send it to you if you'd like it to. Uh, some copies that we used to do. What Joey would do, they come with uh, these sticks with his face on them the first couple of weeks. They would show up. And then with, they'd yeah. start with uh, sticks with our faces on right. them, with the rest of the characters. And Joey would always, uh, in between, because sometimes you're there a long time, would get up and, and the DJ would play the uh, the karaoke music to the right stuff before right. I met Joey. I didn't even know what that was. Right. But he would sing about a minute of it or so and get them all riled up. And then he and I used to always sing in the in the in the back and uh, then during rehearsal. And then he'd automatically pass the uh, pass the mic off to me. Right, with and the audience I'd, there. And I do a couple of numbers. They put the we queued up on the DJ with the, the karaoke. 
and we, they would go nuts. Yeah. And then I get one of the other cast members come in. We used to do something by Billy Joel. You may be right. Yeah. And then I, we'd pass it off, and I'd have uh, 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 Tyler Ritter, John Ritter's son. He'd do a verse, and Kellen Coleman, she'd do a verse. Jimmy Jimmy Dunn, the big guy, didn't sing, but we'd, he'd have I'd have him come out. Uh, he'd have to come out with sunglasses on and, and fake like he's doing the guitar solo. And then in the end of it, the last three shows, Laurie Metcalf, who was just so so focused, right. she'd come out blowing a blowing the sax with sunglasses right. on. So it was like party time. Usually when they have to really keep the audience occupied or give them more pizza right. to keep them uh, uh, awake and responsive, at 10 o'clock, these people didn't want to go home. Right, you turned it, it into like a party. It was a party every single tape night. So there was, was the show and then there was the show. It was show within the show. Yeah. You know, so it was it was magic. That one, yeah. that one, that one I took a little sting with because when it, it when was it so one. Yeah, I know it's part of it. It's part of yeah, it. but, you know, but when something's really special, happens, yeah. And we still see each other a lot. Joey McIntyre. Has, he's bringing everybody in to see the show in New York. Everybody that's in the show, Tyler, they're all coming back to see it. I, I see them once every every once every couple of months now. We try yeah. to get together for a dinner. Pam Fryman, who's one of the most wonderful people in the world. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very blessed when it yeah. comes to that. You know, what's it like to you go from films where there's no audience to something like a, like the McCarthy's where you have a studio audience? It was great. Does it feel different, or yeah, it was great. Sure, because it's a media. Yeah, you know, they're there to respond, and they, you know, they in between takes, they, the writers come in, they change dialogue. Yeah. You know, and uh, and 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 the, the funny part is that uh, uh, they the guys they used to break my stones. They, they, Pop Pop was my name in the show because he's they're having a grandson, so they say hey, Pop Pop. You know, they, uh, in between, I'd write down the changes on my newspaper that I'm carrying, this, so right. I can take a peek at them there. So when they found out the book, the guys found out Joey McIntyre and Jimmy <laughs> Dunn. When they found out I was getting, uh, I was doing the Broadway show, they said there better be a lot of newspapers there. <laughs> I, and I said, to them, no shit, you, you, no shit, you. You're telling me, so they, they would get, they were breaking my stones, and then and then one of them sent me. I'm going to show you a picture. I'll, I'll look it up as I'm gabbing you. Yeah, go ahead. But I'll uh, bring uh, it up on his phone. One of the uh, one of the pictures that they uh, that they sent to me uh, they, they, it was this. The and this is the photo. They said, "Don't worry about it. Denzel will have your back." Oh, <laughs> is, it, is that from the Equalizer? It's I a have no idea where it's from. It's how a the Photoshop hell, how thing. they tucked my, yeah. my head with a teddy bear in my hand. <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came Somebody from. Somebody went to some work, though. That's very thoughtful. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 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 Richie Schwartz, this yeah. was one of the producers yeah. who I became very close to as well. So that's, you know, the, the support that they're... And plus, they're all coming out of the woodwork. I got a lot of... I got 160 nieces and nephews and, and guys I work with the firehouse. There's guys I coach when I coach for a short while, uh, uh, football up in Brewster High School. These guys I play touch football. Yeah. They already told me there's a list so far of 40 different couples that are coming down to see this. So it's, Incredible. It's, it's, and you're going to have that stage door experience where you come out and the people that saw the show are there and they've got their programs. And it's, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what that's. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a know. new, it's such yeah. an adventure. Yeah, it's so especially great. for something that's just, that's uh, it's so different, such a yeah. not a stretch for me, but yeah. a, a, a challenge. It's yeah. and, and I, I know now that uh, I'm believing more and more each day that I put the work into this. Yeah. that I'm going to be I'm going to be ready for it. I just love hearing when you you said that because it's it was just good news. There's no, but there's also like it was just. Fucking great news! Well, I had to get it out. Cause it, cause I was, but there's so little really good news right. anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Like where you're not like, well, but da da da. Yeah. But there's still, you know, it was like, yeah. that's just great. So I, I was thrilled, yeah. thrilled oh, to hear about it. I'm glad to. I'm glad. Yeah, it's. I'm glad to have shared yeah. it with you. I had to tell somebody because I wasn't telling anybody. I was trying yeah. to keep it 
There's a lot of guys I know in this business and stuff. They, they've had, they've struggled. They get what am I going to do? Oh yeah, got another job. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. You know, I just let it go and let it kind of happen and get out to the universe the way it was getting out, you know. My friends who are actors, who, who do a lot of guest stars and pop up, and they've been on shows that got canceled or whatever, when you go in on audition to something, there are some of these jobs, especially if they're serious, they can change your life dramatically. How do you not Hello? let that freak you out? You know what Hello? I mean? Like, how do well, you, I don't, I, you in go, the moment, going to this I audition, if this goes... Yeah, in the moment, I don't know, but yeah, you yeah. try to stay out of that. Yeah, you try not to go the there. the best you can. You yeah. go in, try to make them remember you. Yeah. And that's all. And, you know, if you've been doing a lot of guest spot stuff, you go in. You go in and do it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, it's... Uh, and then all of a sudden you get shows like Rescue Me. It went away and I was heartbroken. And there was some circumstances surrounding it that I don't know exactly what happened. But I was, I felt like I was, I took a hit and I was a little embarrassed about it without any need to be. But I was. But then you, I, I realized that if, if you just stay out of the, uh, stay out of the, uh, uh, the bad stuff, I realized that if I was still had been working on Rescue Me for the next season or so, I wouldn't have been available for the fighter. Yeah. So you well, you learn about that. This is the quietest year I've had in, in 20 years. Yeah. A couple of small jobs, a couple of them coming up. One's on, uh, going to be on Will and Grace. I know. Next, I've been watching, week. but and then you haven't the, shown up yeah, yet. Yeah, I think it's in two, uh, ne- this week, the okay. week after Yay. I saw it. It's called The Wedding. Okay. And then the second one is the the uh, on This Is Us, or, or around Super Bowl Sunday. Those two. But other than that, I hadn't worked all year, and I'm not complaining about it. It's part of the deal. And all of a sudden I'm saying, well, all right, maybe, maybe they caught up to me, whatever, and it's fine, and I don't need the, 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 the scratch now. It's, right. I always want to work. And then all of a sudden this thing falls in the lap. Amazing. And it's like, all right, Waldo, what are you going to do with this now? And it's, 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 it's pretty exciting, but I'm also... During the, during the ups and downs of it all, did you ever have a period where you thought, maybe I need to do something else? No. You, you were always... I can't do nothing else. Yeah. I yeah. want to, you know... I can't even, my, my wife is going to be angry when she finds out I, I put the ladder on the roof. <laughs> I put the ladder, last time I put the ladder on the roof, I put the ladder on the side of the house. I fell yeah. down, clocked my head, and I said, what am I doing? I'm going to be 69 years old in, in, in three weeks. What are you doing up on the ladder? Yeah. You know, let the young guys go up on the ladder. Right. So, you know, you know, you just do something else. Yeah, I've been a fireman. I can knock around the house. I can, I can try to do stuff. I call guys now. I can't. Guys, you know, because if I do it, I try to fix a plumbing bill. Yeah. Before you know it, I'm ripping my knuckles out. And right. I broke three, three, uh, three water lines. And I got, I got Rotorooter here. Right. Just don't get out of the way. As an actor, you could play a guy. Right. A they plumber. could fix it. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? As an yeah. actor, I can play this guy. Yeah. But I, you know, so I, it's, it's just. Uh, uh, I'm in a good place now. Yeah. You know, I'm excited about it. It's, uh, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still, I want it all. I want, I'd like them to just bring Denzel and have them rehearse out here yeah. so I can see you at the dog park <laughs> every day and see, yeah. you know, oh, but uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's humbling and it's, uh, it's, it's very rewarding. Do you have like a, a philosophy or a motto or something that you, that you live by or something you think about in relation to your career or your life? Um, that's sort of, I don't know, how you approach things. Yeah, there, there's, there's, you know, suit up and show up. I like that. And uh, what can I bring to the party? Yeah. What do I bring to the party? If I get, if I come to your house, sometimes a little shin guy get asked to come to your house. And I tell a lot of guys like this now that I, I work with in, in, the, in the recovery. 
Yeah. If you go to somebody's house, whatever, if you don't, if you got a couple of bucks, bring a flower in. Bring something in. Bring, it, bring in a little, bring in a little coffee cake. Just bring something to it. And, I, and the reason why this work has been kind of rewarding for me on this project is because I'm going to bring something to it. Yeah. You know, there'll be stuff that'll come my way. What I'll get out of that, you get out of, you get out of life, I feel, whatever you put in. And this has been a learned behavior. Yeah. I learned that through sobriety. Yeah. How do you, what do you do? What am I bringing? Let, let me do, let me do a little bit of work. Right. Let me not just sit back and say, let me jump in and let me, uh, that's it. So I think uh, suit up and show up and what am I bringing to the party? I love that. All right. I wrote down some of the names on your IMDb that jumped out to me. Yeah. Uh, you were in Crash, a best picture. Yes, absolutely. One day, one day I worked on it. Your best picture? You carry that film. That's why it won the Oscar. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's what I tell them. <laughs> you know, I don't have the hardware, but that's what I tell Bobby Moresco and Paul Agus. Now, Paul Agus is in trouble. He's yes. the one that's been accused of, uh, of uh, misconduct, sexual misconduct. But, I, you know, they called me up. I had worked for them on a series called Easy Streets right. a while back. And, uh, and they said, can you come and help us do a day? So I, I went and did a day. And, and, you know, they tell guys that, I, that they're in the business, they say, well, if I don't get my quote... And I'm thinking, what are you doing Thursday anyway? And right. I tell them, I went and worked for one day on Crash. You don't know what it's going to be like. Right. All of a sudden, you're part of something that wins an Academy Award. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that was that was a lot of, a lot of fun to do. I love that. Uh, born on the 4th of July, Oliver Stone. Right. Like, uh, what do you remember about that? Or Tom Cruise? Uh, or, I, I, what's your memory uh, of it? Born on the 4th of July, uh, I knew Ron Kovic. I was, right, uh, the real Ron guy Kovic that was down in Mimosa Beach. I used to sing at the John Cole Hennessy's. He'd come in and see me all the time. I met him after, after right. the, uh, we had, no, I met, did, I did meet him after. And, uh, so I knew a little bit about it. I had, uh, I had, uh, didn't, I didn't meet Tom, Tom, I did meet Tom Cruise at that particular time. Uh, but uh, I, it was quick. It was, it was just a, it was just a day. I played one of the delegates and I didn't even know if it made the cut. But I think my voice did, maybe the back of my head or something like that, made the cup. But that was a quick in and out. But I also worked with Nicole Kidman. I love her. Far and away. I'm such a fan of hers. And I'm su- she's an artist. Mm-hmm. She, she's, you see, she makes so many projects. And yeah. I don't know. I just really admire her. I think she's amazing. She's a terrific gal. And I, I, I have my, that's the first and only, and I have a copy of that too, uh, a nude scene with her. You did a nude scene with yeah. Nicole Kidman? Well, somebody's got to show what a real man looks like. <laughs> and they, it didn't, but here's the deal. While she's in that hotel when they're and down in their dumps, yeah. she goes and she's upset about something. She's into this room, and all of a sudden the camera pulled back, and you see this steam coming up. And I played one of the guys that was in the brothel that just, just stands up, and you see the crack of my ass. And I say to her, scare her. I said, have I had you yet? And she runs and she runs out of the room. So we did the one thing. We, I went up to wherever the hell I was to, to do it. Ron Howard once again. And uh, and so uh, uh, I thought I was going to, it'd be great to, to be in that, but it didn't make the cut. So when it came out, about a week after it came out, I said, you know, Ron, not for nothing. But to tell you the truth, I did my own private independent survey. And the, uh, the gross uh, for a far and away at the time was about $22 million. <laughs> if you'd have left Jack McGee's nude scene in, it'd be $100 million. <laughs> Six days later, he sends me a copy of it. So you have it. I have it. Oh my God! I have it. I'll get and it. I don't know exactly what about. I'll get it to you. I want to see that. Yeah, you got to see that. Yeah, I love that. And it changed her life, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it changed her life. Um, Basic Instinct. Yeah. Once again, one Paul day. Verhoeven, who yeah. I, I I love 
he makes really interesting movies. Yeah. I hope he keeps making them. Yeah, he's. Uh, uh, it was a couple of days up in uh, up in up up in Northern California doing that, playing the uh, the cop that gives uh, uh, Michael Douglas the information about the fact that there, there might be a different uh, angle on on her right. stuff. That she's it may not be a man that she's hooked up with. It could yeah. be a woman. So right. it's yeah. So that that was a. Uh, that was interesting, and then because after that, I had worked at Basic Instinct with him, and then later he, uh, I, I worked on Showgirls. Oh yeah, we were going to get to that. We were going to get to yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you weren't already a gay favorite for the uh, for Rescue Me, the right. Showgirls connection would send you over the. Yeah, it's like in, in a coat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you got to clean up the monkey shit? I played the manager of the, uh, yeah. the show when I carried the monkey around. Verhoeven says to me at the time, I still wasn't sober, but it wasn't nuts. And uh, Verhoeven says to me, Hey, would you, you want to come up to uh, to Lake Tahoe for uh, for three weeks and and look at the naked women all day? I said, yeah, I think I could do that for you. I think I could. I might be able to help you out with that. So that's that's what that. This is, is pre Me Too, yeah. Yeah, that's oh crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you you go to Tahoe and you shoot. We go to Tahoe. We shot. We you know I read uh, Kyle uh, Kyle McLaughlin, a yeah. bunch of guys, and uh, a couple other people, and my friend Spencer Gag, bunch bunch of great guys in that. But you know you're only up there for two or three weeks and. Some shenanigans going on. I don't remember a lot about it, you know. But, uh, but that's one of those films when I went to the premiere of it, and I come out and I went into the restroom, and, uh, and there's people in there, and they got real quiet, you know, and I'm at the urinal, and they says, All right, let me be the first to say it. How the hell can I get my name off that credit list? And we laughed about it. But then it became this occult film. Everybody yes. loved it because it's so bad. And she took a hit, that girl. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Berkeley, who I love. very sweet. I like her very, very much. Sweet. It wasn't her fault that they... No. They were, what were they looking for? You I know. know. Like they did to Travolta when he did that movie and he wasn't and he wasn't Olivier. Yeah. Well, he showed them. He came back. He came back and still had a career yeah. after that. I, and, and what I love about Elizabeth Berkeley, she's in it. She is committed yeah. to that movie. Yeah. She's, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the urinal moment, that happened when you were shooting it or after? At the premiere. At the premiere. At the, oh, one of the yeah. premieres of, yeah. of, uh, of Showgirls. Oh, I, to be at the premiere of Showgirls. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, Coyote Ugly is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. I love that movie. It was very sweet. They dance sweet on flick. the bar? They dance on the you bar. You can't find I, I the play moonlight? The guy, I get the guy, play the guy just pitching to them. Yeah. Once again, they said, you want to come and pitch uh, uh, throw the softball pitch in a softball game with a yeah. bunch of beautiful girls? Says, yeah, okay. You're there. One day, yeah. Um, tell us more about the Will and Grace uh, moment that's coming up. What kind it's, of part do you play? Oh, I, mean, I, I, play a, I play a I play a homophobic cop. Yeah. Uh, because um, Will's character is uh, his old boyfriend was Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Right. And Bobby Cannavale, he announces he's getting engaged. Yeah. Oh, he's getting married. Right. And the wedding's going to happen. And it's all that stuff. So I, I'm a guy, and you'll see it. Uh, it's it's a funny bit. It's not not big, but it's a it's it's a funny bit about uh, raising a toast to uh, to the uh, the new bride and groom. What was it like you to know. be on that set, with James Burroughs and yeah. all those guys? Yeah, well, I had met like, you. Meet them. Yeah, it was yeah. it was all right. James Burroughs is, is good at what he does, and right. you know, I, I just they asked me to do some stuff. They changed a few things yeah. here and there. And I know Eric McCormick. I I'd always wanted to meet uh, Megan Mullally. Uh, uh, Sean Hayes is a great guy. Yeah. T- terrific guy. It was fun. Awesome. It was fun. You were in Moneyball? Moneyball, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with, uh, I forget who the heck was that that, that directed it. But yeah, with, with Brad Pitt. And I had worked with Brad Pitt. Second film he ever did, a thing called Across the Tracks with Rick Schroeder. And I didn't know if he'd know me because it was right. 20, 20 years ago. And we walked onto the set. We're in the in the coach in the scouts room. We walked on. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? I said, hey. I said, hi. And he looks at me. 
you played my boss before. I said, and you're playing my boss now. And it was as quick and easy as that, you know. So I got along well with him. In fact, he knew my dad's name was Rocco because my dad was a baseball player. Yeah. And uh, back in the in the 20s and the early 30s. But never made it up to the bigs. His name was Rocky McGee. So he took my, the picture of my dad and made sure it was behind him when he was in the office. So it got put on the... On the uh, so so you'd see it, it on movie. screen. See it on screen. And he also called me... My, I forget what my name was in the in the in the show but he uh he nicknamed me Rocco he called me my dad by my dad's nickname and that very very special to me he said that, that on camera that. yeah he says hey Jesus Christ Rocco you can't get away with blah 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 he said, ah, we got a banter back and forth but he, he he purposely kept it in there said it every time to make sure that it, that his dialogue that he, he did that just for you to yeah. make it more special for you yeah that's incredible yeah because we talked he, he's, he's an okay guy he's a good guy yeah he's a good guy that's awesome yeah, yeah. You made a movie with Sean Penn and Ryan Gosling, Ga- Gangster Squad. I did, yeah. I didn't. I didn't meet. Uh, I met Sean uh, at the at the at the, at the go rounds, right? But, uh, and Ryan Gosling, yeah. That was quick. Once again, that was a that was a day. Yeah. You know, with uh, with the, the, uh, the, 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 the yeah, it was a day on that. I played a, a pl- yeah, a police captain. There you go. Yeah, well, fancy that. No, you were you were in Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. A choice to either play a go on uh, Parenthood for uh, Ron Howard one day. With Ron Howard, or same money, two weeks, cool as ice. And I didn't know what, you know, you want a little bit more work. So I said, I didn't know what this, I didn't even know yeah. what rap was. But I went and worked on cool as ice and, and got to meet him. He was a nice guy, he was okay, he was good to his fans. And uh, yeah, cool as ice, another one of those flicks that, that uh, every once in a while somebody will come up and, and remind me that I was in that. Yeah, it was right. fun. I love it. But the truth is, if you had been Shot in Parenthood... By the DP on Cool as Ice was uh, Janusz Kaminski. Oh, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah, he's he also was Ron Howard's guy. Yeah. No, no, they was in that. was in Cool as Ice. Yeah. I, and if you had done Parenthood, I might not have picked it out of all the lists, but right. Cool as Ice... Well, they did, you yeah. And you they want to know yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a choice. In fact, it's the first yeah. time it happened. You know, you got one or the other. You got it almost yeah. one day. So let me take the two weeks. A little bit more yeah. involved. There's more to do. You were in Twin Peaks. Did an episode of that? Don't even remember exactly. I think I played a bartender in it. Yeah. Yeah, bartender, quick, uh, three, four lines. Yeah. There you go. Don't remember much about it. You worked with Goldie Hawn, maybe, and Out of Towners. You know, I didn't. Yeah, I, I did work with her. I, I was in it. Oh yeah, I did work with her. Yeah, I played. She comes through the the. Uh, I, I just because I met her when I did, right. I did uh, uh, when I did uh, backdraft. With right, Kurt. Kurt, of course. But uh, yes, I did. I I, I worked as a, once again a cop. Yes. That takes a report from her, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is these are all sometimes one two days. You know? Yeah, Who, is there somebody that just knocked your socks off? I think that Brad Pitt story is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, I th- if they all, you know, when I, I when I think about it, I get very, I work with Roger Moore. Yeah. I mean, I work with Roger Moore. Right. Uh, on, on, a, on a really really bad film uh, uh, with uh, uh, called The Quest. Right. It's shot beautifully. Right. I spent two and a half months in uh, in Thailand. Wow! And it was uh, John Claude Van Damme was the lead in it, but he also got uh, they gave him money, I guess, to direct, and uh, they had to bring somebody in about three weeks after we started. But the first time I and and, and Roger Moore referred to John Claude uh, Van Damme as Jean Claude venereal disease. <laughs> we laughed about him all the time because he was a nut job. But the first time I meet Roger Moore, yeah, I'm reading Roger Moore. Yes, yes, James Bond. Roger, and he's got a little—he's got a little bandaid on his hand. Yeah, on his left hand. And I said, to him, "Rogers, Jack McGee, it's nice to meet you." 
He says, I'll bet it is. You know, and, and I just looked at him, and he says to me, here, round man, yeah. would you care for the Band-Aid of an international star? I said, no, I already got a Band-Aid from Sean Connery. What do I need yours from? And he says, oh, the round man has a sense of humor. And I says, actually, I really do, double or nothing. So the love affair started. The love affair. I mean, you go back and look in that garage, because he was a... His dad was a, was a crime scene artist as a cop, and he, he made a sketch of me, man, mean, mad, moody McGee. And he signed it because we were in Paquette then, which is down in Thailand. I've been there. Yes. And then we spent some time down there, and he, he wrote down Paquette. Uh, uh, because everything was, we mispronounced So Roger everything. Moore made the sketch or his dad made it? Roger Moore did it. Oh, my God. And I have a sketch of it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He gave it to Oh, me. so we'll make sure to take a picture yeah, of that yeah, and I'll yeah, post yeah, it with yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking down your thing. You play a lot of cops. You right. play a lot of firefighters. Right. Bartenders Blue here and there. Guys. Blue collar yeah. guys. There are certain actors that, that get their thing and you want to see them do something else. Like right. I want to see Jodie Foster play an idiot. Right. I want to see Octavia Spencer play an asshole. Because right. her characters are always like salt of the earth, you know. Right. And I want to see you. What's your thing that like you would love to play but they don't see you that way? I want to play the... Uh... Oof. I want to play the guy that uh, that helps a kid through a tough time. That'd be awesome. You know, somebody that's somebody that's going through something, something that's maybe recovery-wise or something. Or just just let somebody know that there's somebody there that can listen to them, that that'll listen to them, and that's willing not judge and looking to help them. Maybe you can identify. Maybe have a dialogue where you can uh, you can let them know they're not alone with the fear that they have in life. Right. And maybe that'll happen, you know. Well, I love that because so many of your characters probably have this tough exterior, this blue-collar well, tough I, thing. I, and I, so to see the other side of that would, would be really powerful. And I kind of got that. would, would rescue me yeah. with the son. Amazing. You know? And with the wife. Yeah. So. Let me see if there's any other titles I wrote down that jumped out. Roseanne. You were on the Roseanne show. I carried a refrigerator yeah. in. A couple of lines. Yeah. Love it. Speaking of that, I didn't tell you my Lori Metcalf story. I got to interview her this Monday. Yeah. I did. Um, ABC hired me to do EPK interviews yeah. up there at TCAs because yeah. they were shorthanded, oh, and yeah. so I got to interview all these these people. And I, I want to tell you this Lori story because I think you'll find it interesting. Um, one of the things I was interviewing for them, interviewing them for, um, Disney's doing this project called Dream Big Princess, and it's tied to their all the Disney princesses, but it's a, a campaign to empower young people, especially young girls to dream big to go for their dreams to work hard to you know yeah. and they're they're asking sort of uh the abc women uh, a lot of the actresses you know what was your dream when you're growing up what did, what's your best advice you ever got things like that right right so i asked Lori metcalf i said what was your dream when you were growing up and she said well my dream was to be an actor but i kept it a secret because i grew up in a small town where there was just no road for that. It just seemed like a pipe dream. It seemed like an impossibility. So I never told anyone. That pipe dream coming Right? And never told anyone until later. And then I asked her the other questions that were on the list. And then I snuck in one more. And I said, you know, what do you think that little girl growing up that kept acting a secret would think of this moment you're having now? You know, she just won the Tony. She's going to be up for the Oscar. And almost instantly, she got emotional. Her eyes filled up. And she goes, it, t it took her a while to talk about it, but she just basically said that she would, you know, she'd be blown away by it. Like, you could see how much it meant to her. 
And it was like everyone in the room felt like they had just witnessed this amazing moment. But also it sort of illustrated her, the access she had to her emotions. And I was knocked out by it. I, I, now, the, long story short, I wanted to win the Oscar now. Of course. <laughs> um, but does, that probably resonates with the Laurie oh, that you worked with. Oh, my goodness. And then the... The Lori, yeah, come on in. Come on in, yeah, yeah we're just in, yeah. shooting the and, race. And, and the Lori that... That's I'm Dennis, nice to Dennis. meet you. Yeah. We're doing my podcast interview, and he's regaling with me with lots of fun yeah, stories of, and things. Of things of, but talking back to Lori. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about Lori Metcalf, because I got first, to interview her on yeah, Monday. Yeah, first met her in the oh, McCarthy's, okay. and yeah. I wish you would have said to her at the end well, of last question. Yeah, all right, do your thing. You see how effective she is? Yeah. And wish you would have said one of the last things, and the last thing I want to ask you is... When I say Jack McGee, what comes to your mind? And she left. When I first met her, we go to the first table, table read. Right. First table read. After, after we did it for all the, uh, the networks. Right. The first episode, we did the table read. And she's off book. Yeah. No, no. She's off book. Yeah, you're making the rest of us look like... I said to her, come here, I gotta... If you do that again, <laughs> there's gonna be trouble. You know? <laughs> You do that again, there's going to be trouble. And then, but then once in a while, if she had the script like we rehearsed, I'd hide it in the drawer. I said, you don't need the script. But it broke her. It broke her. She, she's the love that we have. She comes to all the little reunions we have. I love it. You know, she came to when I ran the thing in the back of the firehouse, when I ran these uh, these benefits for these guys. She came to see that show that I did up Yes, up which up I in, wanted to see you know and I missed. I mean? yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 she's like, I, I got you, man. And she couldn't be in New York. She's doing the show in yeah. New York. Uh, what I'm is she doing on the same I, time? I don't know. It's something important, I bet. You can go have dinner at the place where all the actors go have dinner. I guess Saudis. I guess yeah. I'm told. I don't know anything about it. You yeah. know, but, but I'm, I'm going to see her, and I have a great love for her. But that's that's the, the same She's the real dream. deal. Same thing in the pipe dream. She's very, very... She's, but, you know, for some reason, she gets around us. She gets around me. She can't be there. She almost started crying when I saw her at the, uh, the Marshall Theater when it opened up. And her daughter, the next week, was going to be at this little school over here where I go to my A meetings at a little show she has from her theater group. And I showed up with a couple of flowers and gave it to her daughter. She almost started crying. So we talked about Oh, she should be, you're my wife. You'll be my wife forever. We were husband and wife on TV. The stuff that we have from the McCart, this is the way the thing is. She says, nobody does this for me. I said, well, they're all missing it, babe. You know, <laughs> they're all missing. And the kid was great. It was a set to an hour and a half of the fucking middle sort of thing and this stuff. Right. But I get to, you get to, that's what I meant about the yeah. relationships. It's, it's not the work is there, the stuff is there. You and I got to know each other a little bit more yeah. today, left a, a little yeah. bit. And was silly, you know, but it's, it's, it's. It's about connecting with people. We'll be back in the dog park. Again. Yeah. Okay, these are some picture, quick pictures, some questions you picked from the observation deck. Okay. What movie have you seen more than any other? A Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, that's James with, Cagney. Yeah. When I saw James Cagney dance down the steps of the White House at the end of that movie, I said to my father, that's the, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And when I met Charles Durney, I met Charles Durney because I'd always told him how much I looked like him. Yeah, I see it. First time I met him, I said, Charlie's Jack McGee. Charlie yeah. says to me, who the fuck do you think you are looking like me? <laughs> <laughs> and the love affair started. Love Did you affairs. ever work with him? Yeah, he was yeah. playing his son. Yeah, this movie that never got released. Then he'd come on to rescue me later on. So Charlie would always uh, tell me about stories about the war and all the stories when I'm working with him about how he used to have dinner with Cagney every Thursday night for 20 years. Yeah. And Cagney, I hung on every word. Every word I hung on. What do you mean? He did this. You had, I want to just touch, touch him because he, he James Cagney. you got to understand it. Tell him. 
Well, son, I go to see him get his, uh, his uh, star at the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So I went down, and I had met his wife, Marianne, once before. I love Marianne. I brought a picture of he and I. I'll show you the picture inside. Yeah. Nose-to-nose profiles, like, identical. Yeah. No wonder he's playing his, his, his son in that movie. Okay. So I went to Marianne. I said, Marianne, here's the photo. I, I don't know if they'll keep it or not, but I just want to tell you, did Charlie ever tell you what the first thing he said to me? She said, yeah, but tell me again. Says, he said to me, who the fuck do you think you are looking like me? So yeah, she says, I says, I just think that was just the best. And he, she says, did he tell you the other, the other part of that? I says, no, what, what other part of it? He says, that's the first thing that Cagney ever said to him. That's I just why, got goosebumps from that. That's why it's James Cagney. That's the only Hollywood story I ever got. And I don't care if anybody else knows it. I know it happened, and I know she said that to me. That's amazing. So that's why it's... Yeah, we have to see that picture, too, then. Yeah. All right. Where's the coolest place you've gotten to go for work? Uh, it, probably the, the coolest place was Berlin. I went to Berlin to do a movie called The International with Clive Owen. Right on. I, I, was, I, I was there two and a half months. I worked nine days. Yeah. They gave me an apartment that was like a Fifth Avenue apartment. I traveled all over Europe. When, when am I due back in? Ten days from now. What? God. Wife come over. We travel all around. Yeah, that was, that was a great, great... That was a great, great uh, stay there. I just went to Berlin for the first time last year. Mm. Really cool city. Loved it. Okay, what article of clothing or accessory have you gotten the most comments on? Oh, my hat. I got a a hat that I got from uh, when I do wear it. In fact, uh, when I was at the opening for the Marshall Theater, it's a a fedora. I like hats. I get mostly yard sales or estate sales. uh, But this one was different because made by the two boys from, two, two guys, two boys from Omaha. And it was the, the, the you felt on the top of the fedora, but then it had a wooden brim on it. And when I saw it, first saw it, I said, oh, i got to get that hat. So I went online, got the hat. I'm over at the Marshall Theater, and some hot shot comes along. Friend of Hector Alessandro. And he, uh, nice guys. They were a little, little bit of, a couple of pops in them. And he says, man, I really love that hat. He says, uh, how much you want for that hat? I said, what are you talking about? How much you want, how much you want for that hat? He says, well, of course you. He says, I got money. I says, 500 bucks. He said, 500 bucks? Yeah. He peeled off $500. And he gave me for that. So I gave him the hat. My wife says, what did you do selling the hat for? I said, I bought it for 195 Yeah. And I'm going to order another one tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm going to give you 100 Don't say nothing to nobody. We just <laughs> made 300 on it. So that's, hats are, the, hats are my thing. I love that. That's so good, yeah. though. It's a side business. <laughs> it's your side hustle. What's your best random celebrity sighting? Uh... Probably Vince Scully. Okay. Uh, Vin, uh, I was over. Sports guy. Yeah, I was over okay. with my legend, and I was over with uh, um, my wife uh, getting uh, some tests done on uh, on her about her uh, hip or some, something. Something yeah. was going on, and he just happened to come walking on. I was like, go 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 go. But that's the one that come to mind, Vince Scully. Yeah, that's cool. You're yeah. a little starstruck. Yeah, a little starstruck. I love it. What was your favorite toy as a kid? Sled. I had a sled, a flexible flyer that I, that I had gotten with a chrome thing on the front. Right. And I don't know where the hell they put it in the projects during the spring and summer months, but I used to run ragged with that and with, with my buddies in the, in the parks. I love that. Yeah. Maybe, did you name it like Rosebud? No. No? It's no. just your sled. Yeah, it was mine. It. Yeah. That's the name. It was mine. Yeah. You're the youngest of eight. Leave got, it alone. It's mine. You got something of your own. Yeah. Have you ever won anything like the lottery or a game show prize? I won a house. Yeah, I was on the $28,000 pyramid. Oh, shit, Jack. Yeah. That's my co- favorite fucking show. I have a copy of it. 
And what did I you win? The 97, 7 to 50 bucks. I went to the big circle twice. I went to the chair twice. Pa- uh, the winner's first, circle? Yeah, winner's circle twice. First, it was Patty Duke. Right. That messed up, and I have it on tape. And the second one was Tony Randall. And Tony Randall and I are doing this thing, and Dick Clark had to stop us and say, you two guys finished fooling around? We have a show to do. Yeah. And then we looked at him no, you finished? No, I'm not finished yet. Give us, We'll get back to you. So you guys so, were just doing stuff. I was just breaking balls. And I stayed friendly with Tony Randall until he died. Yeah, I was, still, I was just Did you win? Did you go up the pyramid? No, I, 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 I'll let you watch it. You were in the Winter Circle. That's my favorite game show. And when you say, when you watch it, you say, "Why the fuck did Tony Randall keep repeating the same thing?" They tell you, "Don't repeat the clue. Move along." So, Patty Duke, same thing. She put, didn't give me the clue. Once I had thirty seconds left to get one. The yeah. other one had twenty-three seconds left to go. I have a friend Jeb, and we, we're inventing a game, literally. But the game I that know we you guys bonded, get, yes, yeah. the game that we bonded over. These pyramid. We're right. obsessed. So we'll play gonna, it sometime. I'll, yeah, I'll show. I'll and here's the you. thing: probably back in the day. If you were the, the contestant, it wasn't cool to say, I'm going to give the clues in the winner circle. You kind of had to... Def- oh, like I let it, them, right. I let yeah, them do it. You kind of... Because I was always, the, I'm always better at receiving yeah. them, reading them, listening. Yeah. And, and we knocked them out. Patty Duke and I now, boom, 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 yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. And then, then they, they got stalled on the last one. I mean, I knocked them out. Uh, the, uh, uh, of, uh, Elizabeth Taylor movies, Blue Velvet, boom, boom, one right after the other. Quick, yeah. quick, quick. And then they, they, call it, and then they started struggling. The, the top ones you know, are harder. They, yeah. I guess they are, yeah. And then yeah. Dick Clark comes up and he goes, what if he had said... Bingo. Yeah. What if you heard boom? Yeah. yeah. And you got it. Oh, you were in the winner's circle. Jack, just when I think you can't get any cooler, you... <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. Pyramid is my favorite. I'll be picking up the dog shit in the bag. Y'all yeah. so cool. What's your idea of the perfect day? Today. <laughs> shit. That's a great question. That's a great answer. It's been with you. Ah, oh, man, that's so sweet. What else have we got? I love it. I think we can... I think what we can wrap we it got? up. Yesterday's gone. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Sitting with you. All right. Dennis Hensley in my backyard. I know. It's amazing. Dog Park Dennis. Uh, Dog Park Dennis in yeah, your DPD. I am so touched. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah, this I'm is I'm so great. excited for New York. I have to go and see it. Yeah, you got to come. If you're in New York, go see Jack and the Iceman Cometh. Hang out afterwards in, in the line. And uh, Perhaps I'll acknowledge you. <laughs> Perhaps he'll acknowledge you. And watch for him on Will and Grace. And yeah. is there anything else they should watch for you uh, on this? Is us, is this is us. This is us coming up. And, what do you uh, play on that? Uh, I, I play a neighbor of one of the, uh, of, the, of the two main characters. Yeah. A flashback and a neighbor. And I'm told it's a pretty important one because you finally it finally gives you an idea of what yeah. happened to Jack and okay. how he died. Oh, wow. That's what I'm told, but they didn't yeah. tell us. You're getting a little bit of a clue. You're That's building a little a case. bit of a clue. Get on it. All right. All right. We're going to go take some pictures of the stuff you've seen in the garage so we can post it and you can tie the story to the picture. And, Jack, this has been a pleasure. It's been great. I'm so proud of you Thanks, for, for getting that Broadway thing happening. And uh, this has been fantastic. Great. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Jack McGee for the awesome interview. Go see him in The Iceman Cometh. If you're in New York, it's going to be there. Uh, on Broadway with Denzel Washington. I really hope to get out there and see it. It'll be awesome. And be there standing at the stage door. And, oh, I'd love it. All right. Um, so this happened. Okay. So we lost George Michael last year. We lost Whitney. We lost Michael Jackson. We lost Prince. But guess who's still crushing it? Stacey Q. You guys, I saw Stacey Q on Saturday night. She performed at this club, Fault Line, um, they do this night called Gag Me with the 80s, and I've been going to it for, like, the last couple of months, and I, I am never more happy than I'm when I'm there dancing to, like, Paula Abdul, and it's just heaven. And this night, there was a line out the door. We were worried we wouldn't get in. Um, 
but we got in, it was packed. Stacy Q sang and it was just joyous. Like I ended up dancing with this guy that I had an okay Cupid date with like a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, maybe. And I was really into him and he wasn't that into me, but then we danced a lot. And then he texted me today and I was babe. I don't know, but, um, I don't know what that means, but I played it cool. I'm not desperate, but anyway, it was super charged and fun and I don't know. It was a kind of night I haven't had in a while. Although I've I've really loved the other um, 80s nights I've been to lately. So my point is, if you're in L.A. and you want to have a fun dancing night, uh, go there. And this coming Saturday is a different theme, but it's the same DJ. And Love Connie's also appearing. It's um, Madonna Summer is the theme. And... Um, <laughs> I'm going to just tell you guys a funny story. Okay. Then maybe this is why I had a good time. All right. So after the club, I am walking back to my car and I parked by this restaurant, Gracie's, which is a pizza place you can go to before. It's really good. Uh, You kind of buy a pizza by the slice. It's good. I was into it. And I'm walking down the sidewalk and I pass this guy who's clearly drunk because he's a little zombie-ish. I'm a little worried about him, but he seems kind of cute. And I keep walking And I get in my car, kind of around the corner, and then he walks up, and he kind of turns to face the window and smiles at me, and he's kind of cute, and then he just comes and gets in my car, and I let him. I don't know, you guys. It's 2018. It's been a while. I don't know. So, yeah, we talked, and he was super drunk, and maybe we made out a little. And um, the point is, I I think I owe it all to Stacey Q uh, and her one song that I know. Um, I guess We Connect is another one, but it's kind of the same song. The point is, there's some magic in 2018, and um, I had a taste of it. <laughs> that's it. I, you know, that's enough. You know, that's, that's good. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.